<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, our weekly review of business stories from Caixin. A man in China's northwestern region of Xinjiang, wrongfully convicted of molesting dozens of women, was awarded $300,000 in compensation last week following his exoneration in November. The man, surnamed Zhou, said compensation alone wasn't enough to remedy the loss of the personal liberty and mental trauma he suffered, and the officials responsible for the miscarriage of justice should be held accountable. Zhou was freed from prison in 2012, but it took another five years for his name to be cleared. The Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region High People's Court exonerated him of all charges after a retrial because it was, quote, difficult to rule out possibilities of a forced confession or a confession elicited via entrapment. Joe's case is among a string of recent incidents where individuals have been exonerated after they've been executed or imprisoned for decades because prosecutors used to rely on confessions made under duress, instead of other evidence or witness testimonies. 40 million people got internet access for the first time in China last year, bringing the country's number of netizens to 770 million by the end of 2017, according to a leading government think tank. That's just over half of China's total population. Although China's internet penetration has seen a significant development overall, there is still a stark urban-rural divide, with only 35% of rural residents using the web, less than half the proportion for urbanites. Hong Kong's legislature has voted to completely end the city's ivory trade by 2021, weeks after the Chinese mainland's ban took effect in January. The city's legislative council agreed on a three-stage plan to shut down the local ivory trade and toughen regulations on the import and export of ivory. Hong Kong's government will not provide compensation to merchants affected by the ban, saying the possibility of such payments could spark a rush to illegally import ivory in the next few years, quote, to launder with illegal stock for seeking compensation, unquote. The city has long been a gateway for both illegal and legal ivory imports into China, the world's largest consumer of the material. Before China shut down its legal ivory trade, mainland traders were able to disguise the source of their ivory stock through middlemen located in Hong Kong, which has a separate legal system from the rest of the country. 
China implemented a near-total ivory ban on January 1, but conservation groups have expressed concern that this could merely cause the trade to relocate itself to the special administrative region. Once Hong Kong's ban becomes effective, Thailand and Japan will become the largest legal ivory markets in the region. Thailand has in recent months made attempts to curb the trade, including measures to set up a DNA database of elephants in the country. Meanwhile, Japan has come under international pressure to end its legal ivory trade, which is seen as undermining efforts in other countries. Around 95% of the ivory illegally exported from Japan from 2011 to 2016 was headed for China. Speaking of Hong Kong, the city's property market is on fire, and it's only expected to get hotter. Home prices in the city surged for the 21st straight month in December and reached another fresh peak in one of the most expensive property markets in the world. Analysts attributed the surge to strong economic growth and a run-up in the stock market. Hong Kong is expected to announce a GDP growth of 3.7% for 2017, one percentage point higher than the government predicted at the beginning of the year. Sales for smartphone maker Xiaomi surged in last year's fourth quarter as the company extended its comeback, lifting it back into the global top five brands as leaders Apple, Samsung, and Huawei lost ground. Globally, according to Jeff Fieldhack, CounterPoint's research director, shipments of seven out of the top ten brands declined year-on-year, signaling a tough quarter for most. Xiaomi, Oppo, and Vivo were the only brands among the top 10 which grew year-on-year, mostly due to strong performance outside of China. Xiaomi's recent resurgence comes as it gets set for a Hong Kong IPO later this year. Environmental protection workers in Hunan province were found to be using mist cannons to water down pollution readings in two separate cases recently. The Shaoyang city government deployed two anti-dust trucks to spray water vapor near two air quality monitoring stations, while the city was hit by a bout of smog, according to the provincial environmental watchdog. The trucks were procured to drive around the city to fight dust pollution at construction sites, but the two drivers were spotted focusing their cleanup operations near the two air quality monitors. Separately, mist cannons were sent to carry out anti-dust operations near an air quality monitoring site in Changde, Hunan on two occasions, in violation of rules regulating such sites. The authorities didn't say how it will punish the violators in the two cases. The incidents are the latest in a string of scandals in which environmental protection workers were caught using deceptive tactics, including stuffing cotton padding into air quality monitoring devices to lower pollution readings in order to improve their performance appraisals. Thanks, Ada. Let's turn now, as we do each week, to some of Caixin Global's reporters and editors for a look at some of the big stories in the news. First up is reporter Coco Fung to catch us up with the latest in live streaming. Uh, She's going to talk to us about a game that people are playing for cash prizes that's really giving a jolt to the live stream sites. Uh, What's the story all about, Coco? So the story is about the game where users can answer 12 multiple choice questions. And if they get them all right... They will share a prize money of as much as millions of yuan. I've participated in several sessions, and I noticed that those who got to the final rounds can get just a few koi each time because there there were so many winners. And people sometimes question, are they real people or computers? (laughs) And we've really not found an answer to that. Yeah, some industry professionals also doubt if they inflate the number of winners. 
So, so who is this company, or is it just one company? So there are a dozen such companies that that's the similar game in China, but they all copied a successful app originated by a New York team. The app was called HQ Trivia, and it is also popular in English-speaking world. It's been popping up all over the place. Right, right, and in China, big companies like Baidu and NetEase have also joined. This model. So, did you think it was a fun game? It was really fun, but many of the questions were too tricky. Like, for example, there was a question like, "Who is the real character behind the Queen of Spades card?" And like, which flower appears on the marriage certificate?、Uh, so, how are the companies actually making money、uh, when they're paying out all this this prize money? Um, because it's so popular now that they can get a lot of traffic. For example, during some peak hours at weekends, there can be millions of participants at one time. So they have attracted a lot of advertisers. Some of them, for example, during a twelve-question session, they can make half the questions related to the the sponsor advertisers. Services or products. Well, if you excuse me, I think I'm going to go try my hand at that game. I am not bad at trivia. Sure, go ahead and get your own money. <laughs> well, Coco, thanks for taking the time, and、uh, we will see you after the Chinese New Year. Sure, Happy New Year. Next up is Doug Young, managing editor of Tyson Global. And Doug, you've got a couple of stories to tell us about this week. So let's jump right in. What's the first story? Okay. Well, the the two stories we're going to look at today are both from the internet space because、uh, it's always a, a lively space in China. The one we're going to start off with is Alibaba and Ant Financial, and this story has actually got a lot of twists and turns, so it's it's pretty interesting. But bottom line is this is sort of like a a bit of a homecoming.、Um, Alibaba is relatively old by Chinese internet standards. I think it's probably like maybe fifteen years old or something like that. But Alibaba in the early days, they had a system called Alipay, which anybody in China knows the name, but、uh, people outside might not know. But basically, it's like PayPal. It's an electronic payment system that they set up to specifically help people pay for things on their e-commerce platforms, which is similar. PayPal was part of eBay for a while, so it's a similar sort of relationship. But what happened was, I think it was back in 2011, Alibaba spun off Alipay. Into a separate company, and that company eventually grew into the company now known as Ant Financial. And they spun it off for it had to do with foreign ownership reasons. So it it became a separate company, and now this company has actually done pretty well. and And they're getting ready to make an IPO probably later this year. So the news is that Alibaba has just announced that they're going to buy. A third of Ant Financial, so in a way, it's sort of like progeny is sort of coming back home. the The parent company is taking back over Ant Financial. Tyson always uses the phrase Alibaba affiliated when when talking about Ant Financial, right? Just means they had this sort of former ownership relationship, and now Alipay is very deeply embedded in all of Alibaba's systems. So you know they have just a very close working relationship, even though there was no equity relationship, no ownership relationship anymore. So how big of a deal is this?、Uh, how much is Alibaba actually paying? This is an interesting element. Alibaba actually isn't paying anything for this, but. What they're getting in exchange is is some intangibles, or they're they're actually quite tangible. The biggest one of those is that Ant apparently was paying certain licensing fees and other fees to Alibaba that essentially,、uh, at least in the last year, amounted to three hundred million dollars. So Ant was paying quite a bit of money to Alibaba, but they won't have to pay that money anymore. Three hundred million dollars plus or minus. So what this means is Ant. 
Financial will be $300 million a year richer. And that's actually quite important because Ant Financial is probably losing money. $300 million is quite a lot of money for, you know, a lot of companies. And Ant Financial is actually getting ready to make an IPO probably this year. So my guess is that one of the reasons they probably did this was to get Ant Financial into the profit column instead of uh, being a loss-making company, you know, by getting rid of this $300 million annual burden. So I think that's the deal. But Alibaba is actually not paying any money for it. Doug, second story is about Baidu. Uh, what's the story here? Uh, this is a story. There's another colorful story on on China's internet. Just these companies that are like little kids. They get into these sandbox fights and and squabble and so forth. Uh, Baidu is uh, oh Kaiser, you know Baidu. You used to uh, work there, didn't you? Indeed, I did. Um, but Baidu is being accused by another company called Jinra Total, which means like today's headlines. It's a news app of uh, basically smearing their name or, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the story is is that Jinra Total says that Baidu on their search results, when you searched Jinra Total, they would return for the first item, a news story from December last year that was basically quite negative about Jinra Total being reprimanded by the government. The other thing they said was on the results page, the second item was Jinra Total's own homepage, you know, a search result showing its own homepage. But then apparently under the link to the homepage, there was like a warning in red that said, warning, this page may not be stable. So to reiterate, the first result was supposedly a negative story. And the second result had a warning in red about the site. Right. Basically, they were too disparaging, you know, or they they saw it as an attempt to sort of disparage General Hotel. So now they're suing for anti-competitive behavior. And it's interesting because if their allegations are true, which could be difficult to prove, it would be an interesting case because Baidu actually does operate a very similar news service of its own. They, they, they're they one of the most popular places to go. They're the, both of these companies are big aggregators of third-party news. So they do compete quite directly. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that Jinra Total is, is hugely popular, whereas Baidu, Baidu is pretty popular too. But anyhow, uh, Baidu is obviously the big search giant in China. So Jinra Total is arguing they're basically abusing their, you know, monopoly-like position in search, basically to knock them down a notch or two in, in internet users' eyes. Well, thanks, Doug. And we will talk to you next week. Uh, then take a little break for Chinese New Year holiday. Okay. Thanks, Kaiser. Thank you. That's this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Drop me an email at kaiser at subchina.com with your feedback. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SupChina and is produced, recorded, and edited by Kaiser Guo with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin and Tanner Brown of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out our current affairs show, Seneca, as well as the new GGV996 podcast on Tech in China. And follow the news from China every day at SupChina. Sign up for a free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care. Mm-hmm.